You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Well, let's just jump right into it, if that's all right with you guys. Uh, We have started a, a series last week called Maturity. And this morning, my wife and I are actually going to be tag teaming uh, with our message this morning as we speak about um, part two. And part two is spiritual infancy. And uh, every Christian, I believe, starts as a spiritual infant. Uh, Humans are the slowest growing mammals on the planet, planet. And so if you think about our maturity process, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a long time before you can see uh, a, a human become self-sufficient. There are, there are other creatures on the planet that mature much faster than we do. Uh, there, there's a, I think it's called a, a killifish, an African killifish that actually matures to full maturity in 14 days. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if our kids matured in 14 days? That would be pretty awesome. Um, we see, we see the, the, the whale is the fastest growing uh, mammal. It, it, they, they grow, I mean, in, in stature and in, in physical stature uh, very rapidly. Uh, but we see, you know, all these different creatures that God has created and some are able to like reproduce within, you know, a month's time. And um, humans are not like that. And uh, human Christians are not like that as well. And so we want to talk about this, this stage of, of infancy for our spiritual walk, if that's okay with you guys. Um, last week, we began this series, and Jesus made it clear as he was having this conversation with Nicodemus that in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must be what? Born again. So there has to be a rebirth. And because there's a, a rebirth, there's new life, we, we know that spiritual infancy is a God-designed stage of our spiritual walk. And that's okay. So it is not sinful to be a, a, a spiritual infant because each and every one of us has to go through that stage in our spiritual walk. And so um, spiritual rebirth is is the starter gun. I mean, how many of you have ever uh, ran a race with a starter gun? Um, or, you know, we used to do one, two, three, go. And, you know, if you were calling the one, two, three, go, you normally went before the guy that you were calling it, but because you're a cheaters, but that's okay. Um, so spiritual rebirth start, is a starter gun for our spiritual maturity. When, when we are born again, it's like the starter gun. Maturity begins. Maturity starts. And according to, to scripture, listen, friends, there is a celebration of heaven when you come to, to new life, when you come to rebirth. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 says this, just so I tell you, there will be more joy. Can you say more joy? There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There was more joy in heaven when one sinner repents, when one person comes to rebirth, when one person gives their life to Jesus, there is joy in heaven, more joy in heaven than for us righteous people who don't need repentance. God, the creator of life, celebrates new life. Isn't that wonderful? And so we should celebrate new life in the church. We should celebrate 
spiritual infancy. It, it, it's, it's not anything to look down upon when someone is walking out those early stages of their spiritual walk. It should be an exciting time. Uh, yesterday, we, some of us had the privilege of joining Pam and Steph um, celebrating uh, their baby that's coming. So they had a baby shower yesterday, and so we went and celebrated them. I mean, we're celebrating this baby before, I don't want to prophesy, before it's even come. So I, I'm not, I want to say he or she, but um, I, I'm not sure they have a preference, but. Uh, they don't want to know, so here we go. Uh, you guys can prophesy with them. But we, we were, we're celebrating before the baby's even here. I mean, celebrating new life should be an exciting thing. We, and, and, and if you have never been celebrated in your spiritual walk, I want you to know that the God of heaven celebrates your, your rebirth. I mean, when you think about the, your birthday, what, what do we do every year with a birthday? We celebrate birthdays. Right? We recognize the day of birth. And I know many Christians who know the day that they were saved. And know, they know the day that they gave their life to Jesus. And it, and it is a celebration. And it is something that we should do as Christians. Celebrate that time of rebirth. All of hell, heaven celebrates those who have been born again. Because you were once dead in your transgressions. You were once lost. And now you're found. You were once a runaway. But now... You have returned to your heavenly father who wouldn't celebrate such a thing. I mean, what a privilege to be able to celebrate that. The, the father celebrates you. Oh, I wanted to see Sherry. I think she just walked out. Maybe when she comes back. Yeah. Have, have, have you seen baby Sherry? Do you guys know baby Sherry? When she comes back, I'll show her too. She's amazing. I love her. I mean, when you, when you see her, you just can't help but celebrate babies. Who doesn't love babies? Who doesn't want to kiss babies and hold babies? And uh, maybe not some of your babies, but um, listen, this infant season is a time to be coddled and, and fed and cleaned and secured. I mean, you just think about what it takes to take care of these newborn babies. I mean, it's car seats and, and baby monitors and cribs and bottles and pacifiers or chupis or titis or whatever you call them. Uh, they're, they're, they're diapers. I mean, it's kisses and more kisses. I mean, this, this is what it, it looks like uh, for these babies. It's a special time. It's a special time. But sometimes that celebration is short-lived. And I, I think um, we have to recognize that Jesus came to give us life. He said this himself, that I've come to give you life and give it to you life abundantly, right? In abundance, like overflowing life. This is what Jesus came to give us. And, but sometimes that, in that spiritual infancy time of celebration of our, our, our rebirth and our new walk with Jesus is short-lived. And the reason why is because we also have an adversary called the devil. And the adversary, the devil, your adversary, not just mine, any who has been born again, your adversary, the devil, is seeking to kill, to steal, and to destroy. This is his threefold plan for every believer's life. And in, in our infancy, we are, we are in our most vulnerable time. There's, there's Sherry. Elza, can, can I grab her real quick? Here we go. I don't know if you've met Sherry. She's amazing. Hi, Mama. Come look. Come look. Come look. 
I mean, if you just see her, you, you, you begin to light up. If you just see her, like, if you held her. I mean, who doesn't celebrate this stuff? This is, I mean, this is what our, our, our spiritual rebirth is like. I mean, we, I mean, everything they do is cute. Everything they do is awesome. Everything they do is amazing. Hi. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but listen, infancy is such a vulnerable time. It's, a, it's such, listen, it's a hazardous time. Everything we do is to protect. I mean, we put up gates. We put up everything to protect and keep them safe. And, and this is what we also do in the spirit when it comes to those who are born again. We, we surround them. We protect them. We, we put up safeguards for their lives. This is what the church is for. And this is what God, why God has called us into community. This is, but this is also why, friends, listen, that infancy should be the shortest stage of our spiritual walk. In the natural, infancy is the shortest stage of life. It's from, from the day you take your first breath, as we spoke about last week, to, to about 12 months. That's when infancy ends because it's the shortest stage of life because it's the most vulnerable stage of life. And we cannot continue to live there if we are going to contend in this walk that Jesus has called us to. In scripture, we see the devil wreak havoc on infants. Pharaoh's order to massacre the male Hebrew babies in Exodus 1. Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. The male boys, ages 3 and under, were killed by Herod, who was seeking to destroy the coming Messiah. Why kill then? Because it's the most vulnerable time. Before they could ever grow and become something uh, that, that, was, uh, that was going to be detrimental to their reign as kings, they chose to kill these boys, these Hebrew boys, in their infant stage. The devil loves to take out everything in its infant stage because he's a coward and because it's easy work for him. He wants to kill your walk with Jesus way before you learn to walk. He wants to destroy your marriage way before it even gets started. He wants to kill your ministry before it gets off the ground. He wants to kill church plants before they ever get established. He wants to kill our babies far before they take their first breath here on earth. This is his plan. This is what he wants to do. And this is why, not only here at Restoration LA, but the Bible pushes discipleship and spiritual growth. This is why we push community and we remind you that you were never meant to walk this walk alone. And this is why we push vulnerability and transparency so that we can be open with each other and open with where we're at and open and, and, and honest about our level of maturity within the body of Christ. I'm, I'm, I remember this movie when I was younger. It was called Bugsy Malone. How many of you remember that movie? It, it, it was Bugsy Malone was like a, a mafia movie, but it wasn't a real mafia movie. It was like a spoof. It was with um, Chachi. What was Chachi's name? Scott Bale, right? For, for Scott Bale. Chachi was in this movie. Uh, Chachi was from Happy Days. He, he was one of, the, one of the actors there. And so Bugsy Malone was these kids playing like they were mobsters, like, like, you know, Al Capone and stuff like that. And so they were driving around in these Model T Fords and, and dressed up like gangsters. And they were, you know, it was like a spoof on gangster movies, uh, but they were playing dress up. Uh, uh, kids love to play dress up. I mean, uh, I mean, 
my kids, all of my kids have probably walked around um, in, in Vanessa's heels playing dress up, boys included. Um, so, uh, it, uh, but you could, yeah, I mean, um, they love to dress up. They love to pretend. And, and listen, it's cute in the natural. It, it's, it's cute. But I'm telling you, it, it's not cute in the spiritual. If we're pretending to be mature and we're not mature, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Friends, we, can, we can't pretend. We, we have to be open and honest about our spiritual level of maturity because this is the only way we will learn to be mature. Spiritually, you might be an infant, friends, but friends, we still have to act our age. <laughs> we still have to recognize that that even though I might be a spiritual infant, I cannot blame everything on my spiritual infancy because, listen, though I may be young in the spirit, the ancient of days actually lives inside of us. Holy Spirit God lives inside of us, and Holy Spirit God is leading us into all truth and maturing us. And so we have to recognize not only our spiritual maturity, but the level of maturity that God has called us to in our walk with Jesus today. It's frustrating to see people pretending like they don't know. When the God of heaven knows, we know. When you ask your child, you know, something and they, that, how many of you love the answer from, or loved the answer from your kids? I don't know. Why did you do that? I don't know. Like, no, you know. Right? I don't know. It's like the worst answer. I was always telling the kids, and you better not say, I don't know. And I'm like, why can't you answer? Because you said, I, I can't say, I don't know. And, the, but it, and so, yes, there is this time, you know, in, in, in age development, we know this, um, especially for kind of like those, those tweeners, like, you know, 11, 12, 13, like their, their, their brain is developing at such a rapid rate. And, and they can, like, literally, emotionally get stuck because they, they don't know because they just can't be translated. But it, and it happens for us, right? We, we wanna, but we want to pretend that we don't know when the God of heaven actually has revealed it to us. I don't know could, can no longer be an answer for why we're not spiritually maturing. Uh, you may be a, a spiritual infant, but the ancient of days lives inside of you. Friends, infancy is, is supposed to be the shortest period of our spiritual life. And it's supposed to be the shortest period of our life for a very specific reason. In the natural, as the generations have passed, we, we see adolescence being prolonged. And what we mean by adolescence, it, you know, it's, it's just that growing into those teen years. And, and as the generations have passed, we see like the new 18 is 28 years old. And, and I'm not mocking, but it, it, it's just a reality. You know, p- young people aren't, aren't developing as quickly as they were. They're not getting out on their own as quickly as they were. They're not tackling life's challenges as quickly as they used to. And we can blame it on society. We can blame it on generation. Parents, maybe some of us should even take some of that blame because we've been coddling them way too long. I mean, there, there's reasons why. But I think this thing is still also creeping into the life of the church. I believe the same thing about spiritual infancy. As the generations have prolonged their adolescence, I believe in the church, Christians have prolonged their spiritual infancy. There was a, there was a, a cartoon when I was growing up uh, called Baby Huey. How many of you remember that cartoon? I mean, Baby Huey, it was the funniest thing. It was this full-blown 
chick, like a chicken, right? I, I mean, but he was, he was like life-size. I mean, all the other chickens were like, you know, in the cartoon were like this big, and baby Huey was like this big old, you know, it, 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 it was a, it was kind of like a, a, a joke to call someone a baby Huey who didn't act their age, you know? And so it was this big old, you know, monstrosity. When you seen him, people would get freaked, like on the cartoon, they would freak out because he was so big, but he was emotionally one of these little chicks. And, but baby Huey was huge, and he used to walk around with a diaper, and it was the funniest thing to watch. I told Vanessa I was going to come up here with a diaper and preach like that and, and see, see, see what that would have looked like. But I, I'm, I'm kidding. But honestly, friends, I, I believe there's far too many baby Hueys in the church today. Full-grown men and women who should be developed in their spiritual walk still walking around in nappies, diapers. And I think we have to come to a reality check in our life when it comes to our spiritual maturity. The apostles identified this very thing in the early church. Uh, and, and they addressed it in their letters to the churches. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul is speaking to Christians in the church. We have to know that, that the epistles were written to the church. These are believers these are people who have been born again. They're Christians. And sometimes we look at some of these letters, especially uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and we can read these letters and think like, man, these people are Christian? I mean, the things, if you go read these two letters and think about some of the things the Apostle Paul is addressing in their lives, it's like, wow, like that church is pretty messed up. Well, we're all pretty messed up. And we're all called to maturity. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Think of this. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a church that he, he planted. These are men and women that, that he developed in the faith, men and women that he had discipled. And he, and he felt like he had brought them to such a place in, in the life of the church that he can hand the church over to elders and continue on his apostolic ministry to plant more churches. And so he believed he got this church to such a place that he was at such a maturity that he can says, okay, now you guys can run with the work of Jesus. I'm going to continue on my mission elsewhere as you continue the work here. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as, as I would to spiritual people. How heartbreaking is that? How heartbreaking is it that, that he couldn't go back to the church that he helped plant, that he felt like he raised to such a maturity that he can continue to talk to them as spiritual people. He had to, once again, speak to them, honestly, friends, like they were not spiritual people. I had to talk to you as those, you, those who belong to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. So in some way in their lives, there was, there was a, a regression. There, at one point, there were a spiritual people who were chasing after the things of God, who were, who were operating at such a spiritual maturity that he felt like he can leave them, you know, you know to continue that journey. And now when, when he comes back, he realizes, wow, they have actually regressed. And I now, to, once again, need to speak to them like they're not even Christians, like they're of the world, or like they're infants in Christ. How many of you... Um, do baby talk. Vanessa did a little bit of baby talk with Sherry right now. Oh, 
Que bonita. You said we, we use our little voices when we speak to babies. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul, who used to probably preach his guts out to this church, who used to probably give them encouragement about taking the nations, about these roads that the Roman Empire has built. We're going to use these roads to advance the gospel of the kingdom. We are going to use these roads that these Romans have used to conquer the entire world, to conquer it for King Jesus. I mean, at some point he was probably preaching like this, and now he has to go back to the church and he's got to tell them, you guys got to stop sitting. You guys got to stop acting like you don't love Jesus. You guys got to stop acting like, like you start, you're acting like little babies again. What's happening? He says this in verse 2. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. And this is a sign of spiritual infancy when it comes to our walk with Jesus. If you are still controlled by your sinful nature, then you, you have to come to the conclusion that you still might be a spiritual infant. Now listen, friends, again, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that being a spiritual infant is a sinful state. But if you have been serving Jesus for 20 years or your rebirth took place 20 years ago, there should be no reason why your life is still controlled by your sinful nature. Yes, all have sinned. Yes, all fall short of the glory of God. Yes, you might make a mistake. Yes, you, you might sin. But sin does not have control of your life. And this is what he was seeing in the church, that they were still being controlled by their sinful nature. And so the conclusion he, he came to was that they're still living as spiritual infants, if not back in the world. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. And so now he's beginning to show some identifiers of what makes you spiritual infants, right? It's like there's still competition. Friends, if there's competition in the church, something's wrong. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. For those of you who have multiple children, this is something you have settled time and time again. Stop fighting. Your brother and sister, you love each other, share, you're both equal, I love you both the same, there's no competition, and there's no reason why there should be any jealousy amongst you, you both belong to me, you, you, everything that I have is for both of you, this is, this is how we, we help children with those challenges, and it's the same with the body of Christ, how is it that there could be any jealousy amongst God's kids? How is it that there could be any of us quarreling with one another? Like if we're children, the only reason why that happens is because we're still operating as spiritual infants. Are you with me? Some of you are. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. And he says this, doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your, your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? What a, what a question. It seemed like a harsh question, but it's an honest question. How many of you have had some honest conversations with your children? Like hard, hard conversations with your children. Like, why are you acting like that? Like, what's going on? I mean, we have six children, so we've, we've had some hard conversations with all six of our children, even Ray Ray now, because she likes to bite. We have to have these honest conversations, friends. We have to have it in the church. We have to have it as a people of God. We have to have it as children of God. We have to have these conversations because your spiritual growth is important to God. 
And because it's important to God, it's important here in the life of our church. Your spiritual infancy is, is, a, is a stage that should be celebrated. It, it is a stage of development. It is a stage for discipleship where discipleship takes place. And, and you learn the benefits of being with community. And you learn the benefits of having older men and women come alongside you spiritually who come alongside of you and, and, and help groom you and help you navigate through this journey. But it is only a season that is supposed to last for your infancy. It's not supposed to be prolonged, and, and, and it's not supposed to be this time where you continue to live in this vulnerable state. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Can you say all evil behavior? Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies... You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full, full experience of salvation. The full experience of salvation, friends. The full experience of salvation doesn't just mean I'm saved. The full experience of salvation means we come to the fullness of Christ. This is what we read in Ephesians 4, that we come to the full stature that Christ is calling us to in Christ Jesus. It's not like we just get saved and then we hang out in our salvation little moment and this is the last time we experience something amazing in God. When a child is born, and can you imagine just having that baby in that stage forever? Everything that we long for after that baby is born is for that baby to be self-sufficient. We teach the baby to talk. We teach the baby to walk. We teach the baby to feed itself. We teach the baby to, to clothe himself. We, there's, a, there's an expectation for maturity. Can you say amen to that? And if you have a baby who stays in that infant stage, if you, I mean, you guys seen that movie, Benjamin Button? It's like the strangest movie. But it's a strange thing to have to, to, to live out infancy for a prolonged amount of time. It's, it's not normal. And it isn't in the church either. It shouldn't be. Like newborn babies, you must crave for pure milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Listen to this. Cry out for nourishment. Cry out for nourishment. Cry out for discipleship. Cry out for growth. Cry out. When, 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 when there's things that are happening in, in the life of the church and not just Restoration LA, we should be pouring into those things for our spiritual growth. This is why we do men's group. This is why we do women's group. This is why we have youth. This is why we do home groups because it's all set up for your spiritual growth. It's all set up for you to be mature in Christ. Cry out for nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Man, and we, this spiritual rebirth, that's not the end of it. It's the start. It's the start. And now that we have tasted the goodness and the kindness of God, let's cry out for more. Babe, why don't you come on up? Good job, baby. I will follow you most of the time anywhere. All right. Really <laughs> like that. Um, my name is Vanessa Romero. In case you don't know me, I'm married to this guy. And I'm his other half. I'm his better half. Um, and so as we were talking about this maturity series, I couldn't help but think about our togetherness and what we created together, which is our, our children. 
And when I think about maturity, I think about my infants, I think about the, the hope, the excitement, there's an anticipation for them coming. There's like goals already set for those who aren't even born yet. Before they were even in my belly growing, I already had visions of what they would be like. I think about the birthing process as well. I think about the pain that I went through to birth out three children. I think about the dreams that I had for the adopted ones of me pushing babies out before they were even born. About knowing about their genders before they came to be in existence. See, God speaks about you before you're even born. God, God has dreams and goals for your life before he forms you in your mother's womb. And I think about being a mom and, and birthing these babies out. I think about how there's a parallel to the body of Christ and the body of a woman. How the husband has vision and he has seeds and he plants it into the woman and the woman actually grows and she actually pushes out the dreams and, and the desires that the man placed inside of her. There's a dance. There's a dance in the physical and there's a dance in the spiritual. And I believe very heavily because God has taught me this in home. While I do the dishes, while I clean up booties, while I do the laundry, God has taught me that there's so many parallels between what I do and what we do collectively. Both of those things are holy. We looked up the word bride together, right? And I'm like, it has to be like, it feels like a wife. I feel like I'm not just the bride, because the bride is like the bride on the, the wedding day, and she's wearing this beautiful white you know, gown, and she's walking down, and she's excited to see her husband. And I'm like, this isn't what I feel <laughs> in the spirit a bride is. I feel like I'm a wife. When, when the Lord speaks about the bride of Christ, I feel like, or when the word speaks about the, the bride of Christ, I feel like there's much pain involved. There's much, there's much toiling involved. And then we looked up the word, and it actually means wife. I said, aha, there it is, because that's when the sacrifice comes. For those of us wives in the room, we know what it's like. Those of us who've been in relationships, we've laid down our lives for our husbands. We know what it's like. There's sacrifice involved. Before my children were born, I'm going to tell you how God worked in my life. And the Lord actually said to me, I want you to give some testimony today. So I'm going to share a little bit about what happened when, I, when we received our children. I have six children, as Jody mentioned, three from the womb, and three are adopted. With every child, there was an anticipation and excitement and a sense of wonder, a hope. Every child that I gave birth to, I had a name before they were born in a sense of what they would be like. I dreamt about their future and dedicated them to the Lord while they were in my womb. When we adopted the children, our other children, the Lord spoke to me beforehand, and I just showed that with you earlier. I'm just going through my notes. Bear with me. I gave birth to my adopted children in dreams and had visions of them in my arms. God began to speak to me before they were born. He showed me signs that they were on their way, and I would spiritually look into the horizon of God's promises and expect their arrival. And once they were in my arms, I made it my goal to help nourish them so that they would grow to the reach the dreams and intentions of God, that he, the intentions that God had for them and still has for their lives. After all, we both knew that they belonged to him and what was a point of living an ordinary life when God created them to be supernatural. Once you are born again, you have, sorry, I'm being emotional because I'm, I don't know, hormones, blame that. Once you are born again and you have been placed in the mother's arms or your father's arms, skin to skin, you either latch on for nourishment or you rest upon your father's shoulders or chest to get his heartbeat. You are acquainted with his touch, his voice, um, and his, his breath. 
Being an infant is learning the intimacy of God, finding a place of knowing what true commitment is, meaning he is committed to us as a father. The church is committed to us as being the bride. And we work hand in hand to be that vessel for maturity for you. He's committed to us, and when we're born into the family of God, and we, when salvation comes, we are now holy like our Father is holy. We're now holy like the bride is holy. Whether she's ugly to you or not, she's still holy. We've been set apart to live a life for our Father, for our Father. First Peter, I'm going to read that scripture again. So get rid of all evil behavior. First Peter uh, 2, 1 through 3. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like a newborn baby, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had the taste of the Lord's kindness. Say the Lord's kindness. The Lord's kindness. And I wanted to express to you the kindness of God, and I pray that you feel the kindness of God over your life because it's through the kindness of God that he actually sent his son. And we'll talk about that in a little while. Number one, I'm going to just break it down. Jody broke some of it down already. But number one, get rid of sin. Get rid of sin. I think Jody did a great job, so I'm going to move on to number two. Want me to hit on it? Okay. Get rid of sin. (laughs) You are a holy people. When salvation came and you were birthed out of water, baptism, and out of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you are now not the world's. So anything of the world, including sin, including the lust, including anything else that's going to separate us from relationship and connection with God, that no longer belongs to you. Get rid of it. Okay? We have this thing in my house where the Holy Spirit lives in my house. The Holy Spirit lives in the God on earth who is real and breathing, he lives in our house. If you're going to bring stuff from the world into my house and the Holy Spirit lives in mom and dad, we're going to sniff that thing out and we're going to confront you on it so that that stuff does not defile what is holy in our house. The unity of family, the, the working of us being a family and working in God, God being the head of our family. So something happens with the children or one of the older ones or younger ones, they walk in, I'm like, what is that? What? What do you mean? Yeah. Who fluffed your feathers today at school? What do you mean, Mom? Stop it. You know, what do you mean? No, something happened right now. There's like a sense of, like, something happened. There's like something unpure. What happened? Okay. And then they tell me the story. And you realize, hey, the world just tried to latch itself onto my son and pull him back into a state. Our daughter, that's happened multiple times with my daughter, <laughs> pull him back into a place where they don't belong. And because the Holy Spirit is alive and well and working in us, he will let us know what is happening so that we can get rid of it. Get rid of your sin. You have no business walking in the world's sin. Get rid of it. And, I'm, and that's a mother's heart. I'm a little lioness right now, but I'm telling you right now, in my house, we get rid of sin and we get rid of it quickly. Do not yoke yourself, yoke yourself up with something that is unpure. It'll pull you down like a weight around your neck, and it'll take you down to the bottom of the earth, and you won't ever, it's going to be the most horrible thing. Okay, sorry, that's enough. Got it? Got it, Pam? Number two, crave spiritual milk. The word crave is a wonderful word. 
okay? Because it's such a, it, it involves not only your mind, but like your gut. It, it, it involves like this desire. Every part of you, your body, your mind, your spirit is like desiring of this thing called spiritual milk. Meaning you want to be nourished. Everything in you, in you wants to be nourished. There's this thing of, um, in court, we, there's in some court documents where it says the child is um, failure to, failure to thrive. Failure to thrive, okay? So, so there's a lot of children in the system nowadays, or the foster care system, or just any children who aren't fed or not nourished, maybe abandoned, maybe rejected. It's called failure to thrive. Thank you, babe. We have never been, never meant to be children with the title failure to thrive. God has intended us to drink of his spiritual milk, to be coddled in his arms, to hear his heartbeat, to be latched onto to, um, to him, <laughs> and to drink and to grow and to mature. That was his intention. That is his intention for every one of us in this room. We need to crave spiritual milk. Number three, we need to grow into the experience of salvation. I mean, think about the words that associate itself to, or they're not real, but I mean, they're not, you know what I mean? They're not alive. But the words that are associated with salvation, the joy, the fullness of joy. In your presence, there, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. When I have a full revelation of salvation and what God did for me, we begin to grow into the fullness of our salvation. We begin to walk it out, walk it out in every area of our lives. It's, it's like almost like we reflect, we reflect what has happened to us. We begin to look more like Christ because that's the only image that we, have to, that we have to conform to just to let you know. Please don't, we don't need 20 Vanessas around here. That's dangerous. We need people to grow into the image of Christ, to mature into the fullness of salvation, to understand and walk in the salvation that God has ordained for our lives. We've been set apart. We are holy people, no longer trapped by the world, no longer living in the world. We've been called out of the world. Number four, learn to cry out for nourishment. Americans, we, we need help with this. And let me tell you why. Because we've learned how to be independent. And we think we're mature when we're independent, when I don't need to depend on anyone else. And God's saying you are not mature when you are fully um, dependent on oneself. You are mature when you learn to cry out to me because without me, you're not going to survive. That's maturity. We need to learn to cry out for nourishment. And I'm going to tell you one thing. As a mom, we serve and serve and serve as leaders in churches and leaders in you know, uh, schools and in your jobs and maybe parents that you're taking care of who are older. We've learned to serve. Men, serve your families. You know how to serve. And you, sometimes it's almost like, I don't know if I need to cry out. I think I'm good. But the reality is all of us need to cry out. All of us need to cry out. We have to practice that. First Chronicles 4.9, I love this story, and this has been, the Lord's been speaking to me about um, a man named Jabez, and you're going to find this story in First Chronicles 4, uh, verses 9 through 12, I'm um, 9 through 10, excuse me. I'm going to read it now. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. Say more honorable. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed, um, sorry. He was the one who prayed to God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. 
I love this story because it just brings a new light of salvation to me. <laughs> and when I read scripture, I'm learning. I've learned from a teacher, uh, a teacher who says, when you read scripture, you have to ask the Holy Spirit, where is Jesus in this? So I've been practicing. And so this is probably maybe the first or second time that I've actually asked while I'm reading scripture, where is Jesus in this? And this is what the Lord showed me. This story has given me a new meaning for salvation. I think of the mother as the old life. The life we laid down for salvation, okay? The words she spoke over her son through natural birth were words of the flesh. The name Jabez means born in pain or to be sorrowful. Sounds like the world to me. Maybe he was born breached, okay? Maybe out of, the, out of all of her children, he brought the most pain. That kind of makes sense. If I were to think about it as a mom, shoot, man, like, he brought me pain. I'm calling him pain because that's what he is. He's painful. But really, is he, right? Number one, Jabez was more honorable than any of his brothers, okay? But he, so this show, sorry, babe, I'm trying to, not, I'm trying to go fast. I'm not going to go fast. I'm going to slow down. So maybe out of all the children, he brought the most pain, okay? But what she did was she made a decision, a permanent decision. She placed a permanent identity over her son for something that would not last. So like a pain, like the pain in the moment that wouldn't last, she actually, she actually labeled her child for the rest of his life for a time that would perish, that wouldn't last forever, okay? That makes sense? Okay. Um, she couldn't see past her own pain, and she projected that pain onto her son. She gave her son a permanent name for a fleeting moment in time. That's what I meant to say. So in the story, Jabez then prays to the Lord. He's now able to talk. <laughs> and I think about Jabez like as an older man, and he's saying, listen, uh, my mom named me the wrong name. Okay. So who does he turn to? He turns to God. He turns to the father who actually gives him true identity. And in this time, I mean, you think about, I was looking through Chronicles, and it's just like name after name after name, and this person got this person. It's just like the lineage of people. And then there's Jabez. And then Jabez is like pops out. There's a huge paragraph. And then you read the lines in those paragraphs, and they're so deep. Because he's saying, listen, I know what my mom said, but what did you say? What do you say about me? I know what the world says. I know what the past says. I know what, I know even what my birth mom says. But what do you say about, about me? Can you please change this around for me? And then God in his kindness does what he asks. Does what he asks. So if you guys have maybe something that is holding on to you from the past, maybe there's been words that have been placed upon you, permanent words that were from moments of, of fleeting in other people's world, maybe church leaders, maybe moms and dads, maybe your old sin or the shame that comes with it. It is time to cry out to God and ask him to change things around. It's, it's time to, to learn to cry out to God and say, can you make this difference? Can you bless me? Can you expand me? Can you? And you hear Jabez talking, and he's talking about things in, the, in vision, things that haven't even manifested yet. He was actually asking the Lord for his heart for him. And then God grants it to him because he had the faith and he had the courage. He didn't even go to a priest. They think about that. It's like he just straight went to Jesus. I mean, went to God. It's like, dang, Jabez. But God granted it to him, okay? 
church, this is what the Lord says about you. Let's talk about the truth. Okay, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you, of course, talking to the prophet, but this, we can take this for ourselves. We can apply this ourselves to our own psyche, to our own belief. And I really believe in my heart, and I've been praying over you guys, that you would believe these words and that they would reign true and that something would grow. Something would grow. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Can you imagine allowing these words to penetrate our heart? You know, you can read scripture and the promises that it gives other men and women in scripture. You can say, Lord, I want that. And just like Jabez, he can say, okay. <laughs> like, you think scripture just tells stories of other people? No, it's actually applicable. You can, you can apply it to your life. You can actually say, Lord, I'm, I sense and I feel this. I feel like a rejection from my past or rejection from how I lived or once lived, and now I want something new. God will grant you that. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. What a message. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Psalms 139, 13, for you created me or my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Let's read that one more time. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It's only through Jesus. In love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to, to the praise of, the glory, of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us um, in the one he loves. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, another image of birth to me. So I spoke to you about my six children, right? I spoke to you about three of them being from my womb and three of them being adopted and how God spoke about all of them. Well, there's another child that I haven't mentioned. His name is Gabriel. When I was 16, I got pregnant. And this pregnancy ended in abortion. Women who have abortions today, they call it unwanted pregnancy. But can I tell you a secret? I really, really wanted him. This baby was not unwanted. In fact, I wanted him very much. I wanted him just as much as I have wanted the other six. If I can weigh out the love and the desire for, for Gabriel, it would equal the amount of all six. But my commitment was not to God, my father. My commitment was to a boyfriend. I cried out often to God, but I went back and forth. And I worshiped this image or this idol instead of my one true God. And going back and forth, I made the decision to end his life. This is what happens when you go back to sin 
or when we hold on to sin after being born again. We abort dreams, we abort plans and visions, we abort the love and the connection of a father, the belonging, the peace, the hope, our future maturity, multiplication, joy, and true freedom of salvation. That's what we abort when we choose to go back to our old ways. We make permanent decisions based on a fleeting moment. Gabriel never breathed his first breath, nor was, was given the chance to cry out. Friends, I have sacrificed a life for an idol. But God sacrificed his son for you. We have to commit to growth. We have to. God has never meant, you've never been meant to be aborted. God never aborted you. He's actually called you to live and to thrive and to grow into maturity because he wants you to, because he loves you. Let us commit to the growth so that we can become all that he dreamed and spoken of us to be, maturing in the acknowledgement of Christ. It's through Christ alone that we have access to a kind father. It's through the repentance of sin and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live a life set apart for God's plans and dreams for our lives. Isn't it worth it? Isn't that worth it when you realize that the, the father in heaven was so kind enough and so loving towards us that he gave his only son for you and for me. I don't know about you, but this is why I stay in the will of God. I sin every once in a while, but the will of God is the will of God, and I stay there. Because there's a revelation of how true his love for me is and how kind of a father I belong to. Why don't you guys stand with me this morning? Thank you, babe, for being so vulnerable. Thank you for your revelation of spiritual growth and God's plan for our life is rebirth, growth, and maturity. Last week, uh, I asked if you had never accepted Christ into your life and you would like to do that and start this, this wonderful growth process that God is calling us to. It starts with rebirth, and it's you saying yes to Jesus. Uh, this morning, if you've never done that, I will be here after service. Uh, some of us leaders will be here after service, and if you would like to accept Christ into your heart, then we want to lead you through that. But for the rest of us, I would, I would like us to just allow the Holy Spirit to help us take a tally this morning. Being, re, being born again is it's, it's a wonderful celebration, and I pray that you have felt celebrated by heaven. I pray that you have felt celebrated by the spiritual uh, uh, community that you have around you. But I also pray that you feel an, an, an unction inside of you for growth an unction for maturity. I, 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 if you remember being a kid, you, you couldn't wait to be a certain age, you know, and you're, you know, five, you couldn't wait to be six. I mean, you, you used to probably even give, you know, kind of fractions of your age. You know, I'm, I'm four and three quarters, you know, you, you, because there was this desire for growth, a desire for maturity. 
And friends, this is our heart for you. This is God's heart for you, that you would desire maturity, that yes, even though you might be a spiritual infant, that you know that there's nourishment and, and, and a process for God to bring you through that infant stage so that you can walk into the mature things that God is calling you to. This is us experiencing the fullness of our salvation. And this is the Lord's heart for you. This is the Lord's heart for you. And if you, if you feel that this morning, that the Lord is calling you to that, if you feel anything this morning was ministered to you in that place of saying, yes, I think, Lord, I want to dive into that. I want to latch on to you. I want the nourishment needed for me to mature. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and just lift your hands to the Lord if you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to respond to what I've heard this morning. If sin has entangled you, and that sin has caused you to, to stay stunted in your spiritual walk, this morning you can repent. This morning you can turn from that sin and turn back towards God. This is, this is what grace is. This is God's forgiveness, his, un, his unmerited favor. He wants to, to place upon your life. We live a lifestyle of repentance. We just don't repent once. I mean, we continue to turn from these things and toward, towards God. This is what allows us to mature. Apostle Paul tells us to cut off the sin that so easily entangles us. And why we need to cut it off is because we cannot grow if we're still rooted in sin. We need to be rooted in Christ. For some of you, I believe that God is going to start an acceleration process in your life. I believe the Lord has been speaking to you about, about many things, and I've watched some of you in the life of this church begin to sprout up I mean, like, like palm trees. I'm watching this beautiful thing happen in your life. I'm watching you chase Jesus. I'm watching your faithfulness within the body of Christ. I'm watching you serve the Lord in many ways. I'm watching you reach out to others. And I really believe that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's an encouragement from heaven saying, well done. Well done, my girl. Well done, my boy. Well done, my precious kids. Continue on. Keep going. Don't stop. And for others of you, it's a Lord's encouragement. You're standing at the edge of the pool and the Lord's telling you, jump in. I got you. You can do it. You can do it. It's safe. Come in. I got you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you fall into the deep end. I got you. Jump in. I got you. Your Father in heaven loves you. Your Father in heaven also loves you too much to allow you to stay an infant. He has more for you. And he can't give you more until you allow what he has given you to mature you and grow you. Lord, you know the prayers of our hearts. Lord, you know the cries that, that haven't been cried out. Lord, you know the cries that have been cried out. And Lord, I pray, Father, this morning that for those who have cried out, Lord, that there's a sense in the spirit that they, that they know that you've heard them, God here for them, that you love them, and that, and that you're still calling them into maturity. No, you, you don't have to stay there. No, you don't have to stay at level one. No, you don't have to go to jail, go directly to jail. You don't have to pass go and all that stuff. No. 
God is saying, come forward, advance to boardwalk. <laughs> the favor of your father is upon you. Lord, I pray for rapid maturity in the life of our church in this season to come. Lord, I pray for maturity that, that, that gives birth to new life, for multiplication, or for men and women to, to uh, Lord, to, 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 like we see in, in, in scriptures, Lord, men and women who are saved and then turn around and preach the gospel. Lord, the woman at the well who had an encounter with the Messiah who goes to an entire town and declares what the Lord had told her. And they all come to see this Jesus. Lord, I pray for radical growth. Lord, I pray for radical maturity. And I pray for it to be unapologetic. For those who the devil is lying to, like, oh, now you're going to act mature? Oh, now you think, Lord, I rebuke those lies. I rebuke those words. I rebuke those labels in Jesus' name. You are your father's children. Run with what your father says about you. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, my very own possession. You're my very own possession. I formed you in your mother's womb. I created you. I had plans and purposes for your life far long before your parents even conceived you. It was my plan for your life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise. Awesome. Hey, we love you. And we love being on this journey with you. And whatever level of your spiritual walk you're in today, we, we celebrate you and we want to continue to walk with you. We're all growing. We're all growing in, in this beautiful thing that God has called us to. And so we do it together. And wherever you are today, we want to come alongside of you and we pray together that we won't be there tomorrow. And tomorrow, that there's our next step and the next step until Jesus calls us home. Amen? Amen. Have a wonderful week. We love you. We'll see you soon. If you need prayer, we'll be up here um, for, for a few moments. And uh, hey, go with God. See you soon.